is Olivia Berkman, and welcome to Balance Sheet. As we all adapt to our new normals, one thing that might still feel out of reach is focus. How can we jump from parent mode or homeschool mode into work mode and back again? According to executive coach Angelo Valenti, the secret is right in front of us, our calendars. In this episode, Angelo gives great advice about returning to the office and shares techniques to help us feel more accomplished and happy working from home. Before we get to the interview, I want to let you know that this will be the final episode of season one of Balance Sheet. It's been a fascinating and rewarding experience so far, and I'm hopeful that we'll have even more useful and life-changing content for you in season two. But for now, here's Angelo. Hi, Angelo. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Olivia, for having me. I'm so looking forward to our conversation, but I'd love to just start, if you wouldn't mind, telling us a little bit about what you do. Well, I'm uh, the founder of BSA Consulting Group, and what we do is we, uh, our mission is to cause bold and effective leadership now in business in the world. And we, we do leadership training, uh, leadership coaching, uh, and we combine that with sales training. Um, my clients are usually uh, mostly right now in the financial industry, investment bankers, asset managers, blockchain trading companies that does apps for finance fintech. And how did you get into this this type of, of role? Oh, well, I started a long time ago, over 40 years, almost 40 years now, uh, and, and started working with small businesses. I, after reading a book called Future Shock by Alvin Tafler, said that people would start following their passion rather than a paycheck. Uh, I started working with mostly smaller businesses that although they were passionate, they didn't know how to manage a business or sell or get new, new clients or manage cash flow. And I started there and I called myself a coach rather than a consultant. I know that you work with a lot of different people. We have worked together in, in some capacity through FEI. Mm-hmm. In your conversations with people as a coach, how have you seen their attitudes and emotions change over the last few months since March? Well, since, since about March, I've actually you know, worked with uh, over 300 people, uh, mostly in the U.S. and then secondary is Europe and then some in Asia. And I think the, the after people got away, for, got the shock, I think the first month was really about getting settled and getting secure. You know, and both from the companies and personal, am I okay? Is how's this going to work? And people were in a little shock, and then they got over it. And uh, some industries were very successful. I worked with a lot of head traders, people who trade assets of big asset management firms, and that whole industry now is working at home. And you, you know, and you're looking at trillions of dollars being traded every day without a blip. So that's been very successful on their part. They've actually, as an industry, done very well. How much of your job was in-person coaching versus virtual before March? I would say it would be 50-50, and that's going down to 100-0. You know, in the first week, I would get up with people, and they would be look like they hadn't shaved in two weeks and <laughs> a little bombed out, and their audio didn't work or the video didn't work. So, And now I'm seeing people with more professional setups, showing up, you know, dressed, like ready to work, and they're taking it serious. How important do you think it is? I'm glad that you brought that up. As I told you, I have a a one-year-old, so I'm in 
comfy clothes all day long. If I jump on Zoom, I just hope people can forgive me. But how important is it, do you think, to get dressed, get yourself into a maybe a space that's designated for work? Not everybody has that luxury of having a home office, of course. But do you advise the people that you work with to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on your role. You know, if your role is a, a spokesperson for the company, you know, you probably need to look at, you know, more professional. I have I work with uh, somebody who does a uh, spokesperson for several companies, and uh, she turned her uh, a basement into a small TV studio. You know, it's part of the nature of the work. But even for some people who are, um, if you have a lot of client-facing work you have to do, that's, I think, where it becomes more important. And, and, and I think the, this, the, the coronavirus has hit people differently. Uh, I think people like you and I and people that, that are coming into your podcast are fortunate in that they, a lot of them probably still have jobs and can work using FaceTime and, re, and work from home. Other people can't. I think the biggest challenge for people is with childcare. I have, you know, uh, executives, a woman who's got, you know, her and her husband both work and they have three kids. So they're running a full-time school (laughs) and two careers. And even though they have, you know, they thought they had a big house, the house got a lot smaller than everybody's own. And how do you help a family like that? Like what advice do you give them? Um, I think they have to tell the truth and create a a schedule that works. A, A lot of people have to give up being the um, monitor for work or, or, and change what, me, what works means. So I have uh, this couple, for example, you know, one of them takes the morning shift, one of them takes the night shift, and they trade off in the afternoon. And their work day is more like 12 hours instead of eight. So because they have to take, take the kids into account as part of the work. And even myself, I find, you know, I think I've cleaned more dishes, made more food in the last two months than I've done in the last two years. Me too. So that's changed a lot. Well, I'd like your perspective on my husband and I's solution. So what we do is I wake up with my son and we, from there, we, so we work an hour shift. So I'm with him and then my husband takes over for an hour and I work for an hour and we, we do that for the whole day. Now, it's working in a lot of ways, but only having an hour to work is obviously sometimes not enough. And then also it's a weird way to work because you're plugging in and plugging out and plugging in and plugging out. And the mindset is so different. I would expand, if I were you, I would expand it to at least 90 minutes on and off, if not two hours, because that would give you some time to get in to the work mindset and then actually transition out of it. So you would have at least 60 minutes of, if you did it for an hour and a half, it would give you 60 minutes of real work. I think the other thing you have to do is really be better organized. Because, you know, I, I find myself when I used, when I have an hour to do something, it would take me 40 minutes to figure out what I needed to do and then I was gone. Yes. How can we prepare ourselves for that 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever we have to work, what are some of the things that we can do to get into the into a productive work mode? Well, I, I think part of it is uh, when I look at my schedule, I, so for example, uh, today is younger next year, a home I'm proud of, speaking to the world, uh, clients for life. That's what's in my calendar. 
So what am I doing? Younger next year, I did 45 minutes of aerobics. A home I'm proud of, I'm cleaning something, my, my, my balcony. The voice to the world is where I'm with you. And clients for life is where I'm reaching out to clients I haven't seen in a while to see if I can reactivate them. Now, if I said, you know, clean the porch, 40 minutes on the bike, audio interview, and email marketing, how excited would I have been? Right, they're tasks. It's a lineup of tasks versus larger goals. Yeah, so what I call that is I want to put a context around it, a compelling story. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited about my day rather than just another day, all this work I got to do. So that's one is the second thing is, so after this meeting, let's say this appointment, this, this interview, you're really happy about the interview, it really went great, but how much work did it create? You got the interview done, but how much more work did it create? So I find people put in their calendar, the, the appointment that they, they, the sales appointment, the consulting appointment, the interview, but they don't put the pre- preparation in the calendar or the, the fallout or the work that comes out of the, the appointment in that calendar. And so by not telling the truth about that, you end up upset because you're always behind the eight ball. You're right. I, I love that idea, actually, to set aside actual time in your calendar, even if it's just to digest, for me, in this case, to just digest the conversation, jot down some notes while it's still fresh in my mind. I always mm-hmm. think I'm going to do that as we're speaking, right? I think, okay, when, when we hang up, I'm going to, this, this would be a great idea for the title, or I'm going to make sure that I include this in the show notes. And I think that I'm going to do all of those things. But the reality is when we hang up, I'm going to dart downstairs to make sure that my husband and my son are still alive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I would trust your husband. He's still alive. (laughs) He's used to it by now. Although I may not always be able to plan that time for immediately after the conversation, I can still plot it somewhere in my calendar. When I want to find out what people are really committed to, I look. I, I don't listen to what they say. I look at what's in their calendar. If you have something in your calendar, what's the likelihood of it happening? Yeah, pretty high, high. isn't it? Mm-hmm. If it's not in your calendar, what's the likelihood of it happening? For me, I mean, very slim. Yeah. So usually, what's in our calendars is if you notice what was in my calendar is a home I'm proud of, younger next year clients. Those were not appointments. Those were time to actually do the work I wanted to do so I can be who I want to be. Are you finding that? Your clients are more anxious these days, fearful, feeling unstable or or feeling instability, I should say, with their jobs. Well, I, think, I think they have various, you know, I think everybody's got various questions. So how, mm-hmm. you know, how long will this last? And I think it depends on the risk, what risk you feel you're in. I have somebody who's in a three-generation family and he's mother-in-law and father-in-law there with them with his three kids and his wife runs, uh, she's the head of a coronavirus uh, hotspot in New York City. And he wasn't saying anything to anybody and I actually had to get his company to go in and get him some support that he needed because definitely stressful, but depends on the risk factor that you're in. My thing is that this is one a very stressful time, but I think you have to remember what are you committed to? You know, there's certain things that people are committed to doing and they have to actually get on with life, begin to look at strategies for reducing stress other than overeating. I've been guilty of that one. When we last spoke, we were talking a lot about people returning to their offices. And I think my husband at that time was planning to return to the office this month. And then that was pushed back. 
to 2021, as a lot of companies have decided to do. Do you have clients who are returning to their offices? I have a guy in London who's a trader, and he's one of six people who got an okay to be an essential worker. He lives alone. He's single. He's in a studio apartment in London. And he says, I need to get out of here. I'm going crazy. I have another person in New Jersey who's got, again, lives in a uh, multi multi generational family. His wife has, you know, her parents there to take care, help with the kids. And he just quit. There wasn't room for him to do work. So he went to the office. But I think you also have things like the New York Stock Exchange needed to have, I think, 20% of their people back. They made it volunteer, but you had to drive into work. You couldn't use public transportation. Do a temperature check, and you had to sign a waiver holding them harmless. And so my my what I'm recommending to my clients is again, this is a personal choice you have to make, but I'm recommending that I would recommend not to be part of the experiment. What I mean by that, every building that's opening up, they've come up with a plan to keep people safe, but they don't know if it's going to work or not. It's not tested, right? Yeah, it's not tested. And, you know, there have been instances in New York City and even one of the the CDC buildings had cases of uh, Legionnaire disease. Because all of these buildings have been left dormant and uh, with their water just standing there and they haven't run it through and there's been cases of Legionnaire's disease found or, or viruses found in the system. So again, I, I don't want to be part of an experiment. And then it depends also where you, where you live. You know, so right now, New York, New Jersey has gotten, uh, although Corona's still here, they've gotten uh, some control over the virus or other places like in the Midwest or Florida, places of, some places of Florida and Texas and some locations have massive explosions. My, my nightmare of it for people, the company decides to downsize and let's go 20, 30, 50, 100 people. You're one of them. You're, you're now on a, your know, healthcare is now you have to pay for it yourself. Eventually you decide you can't afford it. Now you have without healthcare. And you, and you catch coronavirus and you have long-standing health issues that are not covered, no longer covered by healthcare. So, I mean, we, I think people haven't thought through all of the risks that are here. And my recommendation is play on the safe side. Don't be the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, welcome to America. Land of free speech and free, free will. It's up to yourself. But I think you also have to look at the people in your life. There's been instances of people having family reunions in New York where one person shows up with no symptoms but uh, is contagious and kills two of their family members. Right. So I know that you had some experience. You said it was about 50-50 before the pandemic of of working with people remotely. Um, And you have clients all over the world, which has to be really fascinating. Do you think that any of the clients that you that you used to meet with in person and now meet with virtually, do you think some of them prefer it this way? Or do you think that you'll continue on virtually forever? I think this is a breakthrough for virtual learning. I think the tools are getting better. Mm-hmm. I use Zoom a lot, which we're on now. Mm-hmm. It allows me to do breakout rooms. Uh, and I've you know introduced different kinds of applications that I could make the uh, group group work more interactive and I find that so rather than do a, a three-day program that eight hours a day I just finished the three-day program we did it with 12 hour and a half sessions over a, a six-week period 
same material, I think, and, and because it was over a six-week period, I think it got more traction and they retained more of the material and it was more useful. Are you finding that anything is lost now that you're virtual with your clients? Yeah, you, know, you, you don't get to shake hands with people. You don't get to, you know, the, the camaraderie, the, the dinners, the social, the social piece. Although I'll have lunch with my son on Zoom or drinks with business associates on Friday afternoon on Zoom, it's not the same. And a lot of us were doing that at the beginning, and then I think it got a little old. You know, I, I know for me, I was doing that with friends. I, we were saying, oh, let's do a happy hour, a virtual happy hour. Let's do a, a virtual coffee. And for some reason, it just lost its yeah. appeal for me. I find that I can do something like that with uh, friends if there's a, a theme, you know, so it'll be uh, something that was in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal about what's going on or something about what what's worked for you around staying healthy or so there's a theme to talk about experiments in cooking, you know, whatever the theme is, but at least it's something to give people a reason to be together. So there's an agenda there. Yeah, that's a, that's good advice to give it, not necessarily a purpose because the purpose is to connect, but give it a theme, give it a topic. Well, Angela, that was the last question that I had for you. And I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to know what you've been listening to lately, or, you know, it could be a podcast, it could be just music that's helping you relax, something that you've watched recently. So I'm a sci-fi fan, so I watch a lot of sci-fi on TV. For podcasts, I listen to a lot of things on the New York Times. Do you listen to The Daily? Yeah. So I was listening to that podcast every morning without fail. I listened to it on my drive to work. And I don't know if this is something that you're also hearing from your clients, but once the pandemic started, I had a hard time engaging with news or heavy, serious topics. For a long time there, I could only listen to, frankly, kind of dumb, mindless things or just mm-hmm. music for, for a long yep. while there. I'm slowly getting back into The Daily and, and a couple other podcasts that are a bit more substantive but did you have that experience, or did you hear from others that they were also having that experience? Yeah, I think you got. I think you had the scam, and you had some people who were addicted to news, and they, mm-hmm. and they had the thing on twenty four seven. That was my husband. And, yep. and then the other one is, I, I limited what I look at all day, maybe one or two things. You know, the things I like on the on New York Times, what I go to first is the late night show clippings that they have, which I find amusing. I find it sometimes challenging to balance the level that I want to disconnect and be in my own world and relax and or laugh, uh, balancing that with, you know, understanding what's happening around me. So, so I do have one last thing to tell you. Take the case that we've all survived at this point and you've got things working. You have to remember that you still have a career and that careers happen over time and certain basic things that you need to do to take care of your career. Do you have a brand? Do you have goal setting? What are you doing to develop yourself? Do you have a scenario about where you want to be in the next two years? Are you developing a career plan for yourself and acting on it? You know, this is going to roll out over the next 18 months between where they, where they have treatments that you can count on surviving Corona with minimal after effects or protection against it. But in the meantime, your career is going to move. So I would begin to look at in September, 
and, you know, and it's time to actually wake up and start looking at what do I need to do to develop myself and take and manage my career. That's such great advice. It is hard to lose sight when you're at home because you don't feel always like you're at work. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, the, and the way to do that is put it time in your calendar to do it. <laughs> or else it won't happen. Or else it won't happen. Well, Angela, thank you so much. Uh, this is really helpful and, and, and a lot of useful information, which, which I love. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome.